You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 52. This week's topic, Cyber Exploitation Prevention. Predict, protect, practice, and pray. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, the one of the ways we have been working to make a difference in ending human trafficking beyond this podcast is the annual Ensure Justice Conference that the Center has sponsored every year at Vanguard University of Southern California, where the center, of course, here is based. And you had presented a plenary session this past conference just a few weeks ago, and it was so well-received that we wanted to get the information out right away because I know there's a lot of good thoughts that you've had here in a model that you've introduced that will be really helpful for us as we're thinking about prevention. I didn't want people to come to the conference and hear all of the horror stories and to see we had we had law enforcement that presented uh, what's happening in our schools now with the mobility of technology, what kids have access to. Mm, It's crazy. So we um, wrote into our program the model for prevention so that when people left our conference, they had tools to go out and do something about it, not just know, wow, it's scary out there. And so that's part of our goal today, to give all of us some tools that we can use that will help us uh, take action. Because part of our goal uh, for this show is that you always walk away. You know, Sometimes we talk about some of the stories that are, that are tough yeah. stories, and, and we should, and it's important that we do that. But also, we don't want to just stay there. We want to give um, all of us the tools and resources that we can do something and that we have the uh, the ability to affect change in a positive way. And so I'm glad that we'll have some conversation about that today, Sandy, for sure. Well, and in it, a lot of this is common sense. Um, in fact, Dave, you have a son. He's a year old now. He is. And have you done anything to make sure he's safe in this house? Oh, for sure. So we have uh, put all the plugs on all the electrical outlets and done all the baby proofing and make sure there's things he can't fall off of. So all of those types of things we've done all over the place. And it seems like we could never keep up. And um, are you uh, taking steps to make sure that his health is secure over the next? Oh, um, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. He goes to the doctor regularly every uh, two or three months, whatever they're schedule is he's been six or seven times since he was born already so yeah yeah Yeah, gets his vaccines and all of that preventative stuff to keep him healthy so we all take prevention strategies to protect our health um we take prevention strategies for protecting our family we save up for a rainy day um in our community we have prevention strategies because we expect there to be problems we and, and we need to predict what those problems might be mm. so that we can come up with 
good, usable, sustainable strategy. So in my neighborhood, um, because we come right off of the freeway and into our neighborhood, there are three speed bumps before you turn on my little street. Oh, yeah, there are. Isn't that a great prevention strategy? Yeah. Because someone knew people would be driving too fast. Mm. So the idea here is we're going to talk about the model for developing preventions to protect our kids from cyber exploitation. And we're going to use that same model. Now, it's obvious that this comes out of my background as a pediatric nurse. Mm. Prevention in nursing and in healthcare is number one. Why should we build more hospitals for kids with polio when we can do polio vaccinations? Right. That that's the strategy. So think the same way about cyber exploitation. So the first P in the four P's of cyber exploitation prevention is to predict. And if it's not hard, we are we are designed to predict um, danger. When we see something, we respond. In fact, if I took my right arm back and formed a fist and you saw it coming towards you, would you just sit there and say, oh my goodness? Normally, no. With you, I know that you're so peaceful that you would never Uh hit anyone. (laughs) The average person would immediately put up their forearm to block that. So we, we are designed, we naturally predict harm that's in our path. This is a little harder to predict because we don't recognize it. Parents see their kids sitting there playing a video game. They think, good, they're quiet and out of my hair so I can go fix dinner or I can make a few phone calls or um, work on answering email if you're a work out of your home um, executive. So not even understanding that on that video game that is online, predators can start chatting up your kids. So recognizing the harm, being able to predict is a key feature of this. Now, one of the, the problems, internet really has changed everything around this. Everything, hasn't it? Yeah. and and so when we talk about a highway, um, we wouldn't let our kids go out and play in the street without teaching them basic safety, um, and that's the same thing we have to learn how to do internet safety. The um, in the plenary because we had great big screens, we showed some videos, and on our show notes we will have links to these videos so that you can actually take this podcast, sit down in front of your computer and watch what the attendees at the cyber exploitation conference saw. So the first one to help you understand what your kids are encountering is a video from NetSmarts. And you all know that I'm a big fan of netsmarts.org and that these resources are top of the line They have been vetted by experts in the field and our tax dollars have helped pay for them. It was great to have Ernie Allen as our keynote for our conference this year and he knocked it out of the park. If you haven't listened to the podcast with Ernie, that was back a few weeks ago, I think. It was. It was episode number 48. So if you're listening uh, and want to get to your computer later, go check that out. And by the way, Sandy mentioned the videos will be online for this podcast as well. And this is episode number 52. So when you get online to our website, gcwj.vanguard.edu, that is where you can find both. And on the first video for this 
section on predict. There is a video called Tracking Teresa. It's just under five minutes, and it shows how someone can take a simple social media post. And here's a 13-year-old girl, because that's how old you have to be to be on Facebook, although I know parents who have um, misrepresented their kids' birthdays so that they can join their friends, and then kids who misrepresent themselves as well. Sure. Um. Tracking Teresa starts with just one social network post by a little girl, and then it shows how in 20 minutes, an online guru, and actually guru is probably too big of a word, someone with a few internet skills in 20 minutes is able to identify what school she goes to, um, the zip code she lives in, and where she um, actually lives. Mm. They're able to get her phone number and they're able to get pictures of her. Yeah, pretty incredible, isn't it? In 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they didn't have to hack into anything. All of this was just online following a logical sequence of looking into information. Sometimes um, just because they report what team they're on then you find out what what team is is at this school. So when you begin to see what the risks are, that helps you predict, and then you can come up with a plan to protect. And you've really changed my thinking on this too, Sandy. You know, one thing that we've done is taken off all the GPS tagging on our phones, on our iPhones. Ah. And so when I take a picture of Luke, I can post it, I don't post a lot of pictures of us as a family online, but you know, once in a while I'll post something on Facebook or for our community. And, um, and I, I know that the tagging information is taken off so someone can't track it back That's to great. our house or, or anywhere else. Um, and I, I didn't really know much about that. I mean, as tech savvy as I am, I didn't really think about that much until, you know, you and I had that conversation. And I think that's a really, there's some basic mm. things that we can do, and it's it's literally hitting one button on your phone to turn it off. There's some really basic things that we can do that will help to, I mean, nothing's perfectly safe, but will really help us to not advertise information we don't want to advertise. And that's really key too. If you have a child with a smartphone, um, that you turn off that aspect of their photo opportunities. Yeah. So it gets very complicated. Well, that's the first P, predict. And do regular um, checks on uh, kind of checking the perimeter, if you will, so that you know what the um, possible harms could be. Now, the difference between predicting and worrying, that's a big difference. I don't want people to be spiraling into worry. If you just predict, that gives you the perspective of being able to then move into the next level of protecting And protecting that I want you to consider is on three levels, at your home, at your school, and in your community. And when we protect, there are ways of, it's it's the basic, a fence around a play yard so that kids can't run off. That's pretty simple, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When when Luke was uh, more of a, in a crawling space, putting him in a playpen with a few toys was a way to limit his access to possible harm. Right. So it is providing limits with options. We don't just put up a big wall around 
our kids um, and nothing's in there. That playground has equipment that is going to engage them, the playpen. And as they get bigger, they need bigger spaces, but they still need to have limits that will protect them. So how do we do that in our home? Well, obviously setting up filters is the is the uh, first way to do that. The idea of your kids being on a computer in a central location where you can see what they're doing and having um, rules in your house that you're the mom, you're the dad, uh, let me see your phone. At the end of every day, my daughter has... Um, uh, kids with smartphones, and she says, let me see your phone. And they're like, what? I have a right to privacy. Oh, oh. No, I'm the mom. This is a privilege. And the limits are, if you want to have a phone like this, then this is how we do it. I check your text messages. I, I, I make sure everything's safe. And this is the, the, the rules. Those are limits with options. Yes, you still get to have your Facebook on there. Yes, you still get to have Instagram, but it's a privilege. And those kind of limits with, with um, options are really important at home, at school, and in the community. Teachers, you can go back and, and listen to our podcast about NetSmarts in the Classroom last September because this is a great opportunity to use um, these materials that are already set up and um, coordinated so that you can use them as a lesson plan, either in health, in technology, or in language arts. And it meets your um, your study plan requirements for the Department of Education. The um, If you're a Sunday school teacher, you can use NetSmarts training in your classroom or for the parents of your students. Um, you can do community PTA meetings where you use this material to, to teach them about this. We don't want our kids to feel like we're against everything. We actually want them to see what the benefits are and, and showing how the good way is to use um, the internet. And we had a really detailed conversation on that in podcast number 35. So something to go back and also check out if you want to know even more about the resources that are available to teachers specifically. Yes. And I, I think that um, the video that we showed in, during this section uh, from NetSmarts, which will also be on our show notes, is um, Julie's story and um, Survivor's. And we showed two videos because there is a kind of a, a social myth that the victims of cyber exploitation are all girls. Mm. And so we did show the story of, of a survivor who was a little girl. And I have to tell you just yesterday in, in reading the news stories, there was another story. The headline read trolling the internet for little girls and a 13 year old who had been contacted by a man who misrepresented himself as younger, and she can't identify that this is false. However, law enforcement was called in very early on this because the mom was checking her social media dialogues. Mm. So 13-year-old mom, and he was arrested because they're pretty easy to find once it's reported to the... Um, Inter, the it's I think it's the interagency 
um, crimes against children. Mm. And there's, we'll put the, we'll put the note, the line to um, post a tip online or to make a call. Oh, great. Okay. We'll do that in our show notes. So it happens to boys as well. And there's two stories in this video of boys who fell victim to internet predators that lured them into meeting them offline. Hmm. And that's when the real dangers become very worrisome to parents and teachers and community members. Yeah, and it really can happen, um, you know, it can happen anywhere, Sandy. And and it's not not to say that to scare people, but to just be present. The, the fact that, you know, there's sometimes we do have a false sense of safety because of where we live or perf- mm. case in point, we live in a gated community um, here in South Orange County, which is a, or California, which is a pretty safe place overall. So you would think, oh, gated community, nothing can happen. Uh, well, you just had an incident a couple of weeks ago where someone uh, someone got in and, and chased down a couple of boys and it was a it was an attempted sexual assault, it sounds like, and, mm. you know, crazy situation. And, you know, again, not to scare all of us, but to take some reasonable precautions to say, you know, what would you do in a situation like that? And to teach our kids and to have conversations about that. And thankfully, the kids responded really well, actually. And it was, the situation was, did not escalate. Um, and they found the person who did it. But it's, it's that, it's that, like you said, Sandy, having those limits, you know, and, but also having options within those limits and having good conversation and dialogue with children and, and talking with them about it as what those limits are and what would you do and, and, and having those resources. And there's a, there's a lot of, um, dialogue on the internet among professionals working on this about what constitutes good prevention. And there are, uh, every day I find out about a new curriculum. So there are a lot of a lot of opportunities for developing ways of teaching our kids. I don't, I don't really um, have a preference over which, which one of those that you use. But what I do want you to understand is that giving your kids a, a little pamphlet or, or a poster that says, these are safe internet rules and saying, okay, this is just like getting my um, polio vaccination, one time shot doesn't work that way. It takes practice. In fact, Dave, I'd like to ask you how many times it can you tell us how many times did your mother ask you, David, have you brushed your teeth this morning? Oh, this is going back a lot of years. Uh, Probably more than I'd care to admit. Yeah, I'm sure a lot. And, and it's that kind of of repetition, practice, 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 that this becomes, uh, you can't leave the house without brushing your teeth. It's normal. Who would even think of that? Because it was ingrained in you. Practice, Mm -hmm. practice, practice. When we teach children um, how to safely cross a street, do you remember what you learned? Oh, sure. Look both ways. Hold mommy's hand. Hold daddy's hand. That's right. And we didn't say that one time. Mm -hmm. We said it over and over and over again. And we teach kids about electric plugs. We teach them over and over and over again. We don't want them to actually experience the harm to right. learn the lesson. We want them to learn because it's it becomes a pattern. Um, the stove is hot. Don't touch it. How many times do you say that 
to your kids. So it's exactly the same thing in doing this kind of prevention for cyber exploitation. How many times do you need to tell your kids that they have these rules for using the internet safely? And it it becomes an opportunity to start using the NetSmarts materials with your kids. So a great video, and again, it'll be in the show notes, is called Your Photo Fate. And we know kids have a pretty limited um, attention span. So this isn't a documentary they have to sit down and watch. It's two and a half minutes. And it takes a child through the decision-making process, whether they're going to take a picture and then click on posting it. Mm. And then what are the consequences if they post it? And then they go back through and go the other direction. Okay, I didn't post it. Now what are the consequences? So kids are able to learn to start processing the decision-making that they need to be able to do to look both ways. So your photo fate is like teaching a child, look both ways, and then look again before you step off the curb. And it's great, Sandy, that now as we're recording this in 2013, there's a lot more resources than there were even five years ago uh, when you know the internet first became prevalent and we all started using it more. There weren't really a lot of these resources available yet, and now there are such great materials and videos and all these things set up. But like you said, Sandy, at the end of the day, the best video is pretty worthless if it isn't reinforced by parents through practice, through mm-hmm. continual conversation and practice and dialogue and like crossing the street, you know, you have that conversation how many times with kids when they grow up. So it's that continual reinforcement. And I think that it, parents that are concerned about this and want to implement this model of predict, protect, and practice uh, need to sit down and write out what are our internet safety rules. You know, and and part of your prediction process needs to assess what kinds of things are internet accessible in your home. Think about it. Things you hadn't thought about, like the Xbox, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, and then thinking about, are, does your child have an Instagram account, a Facebook account? You know, Facebook doesn't have a stranger button. They only have a friend button. My, I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten and the teacher called me to come in and, and for a conference and I was very excited. It was my first parent-teacher conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a red-letter day. No, my daughter failed the green light, red light test, which meant... I needed to, the teacher wanted me to practice red light, green light strategies with my five-year-old because it would reduce her risk for going with a stranger that might intend harm. Her idea about how to handle encountering a red light person, her answer on the test had been this, well, I'll ask him his name and then he'll be a green light person because I'll know him. Um. You see, our kids have really different ways of looking at those kinds of challenges. So it was my job as a mom to practice the red light, green light test with her until she understood that if she doesn't know their name first, they can't become a friend that easy. Hmm. And Facebook teaches them that you can have a new friend just by clicking. Oh, and it's so easy. You know, what what may have, you know, I think back to like when your daughter was young, Sandy, like 
that was really valuable things for her to know. But if she hadn't learned that immediately, it may not have had a lot of immediate implications in her life. But today, there's so it's so easy to make connections online that that really mm-hmm. does have immediate implications if you don't understand those distinctions. Absolutely. So practice, practice, practice. Um, tell your kids to brush their teeth. And every time you tell your kids, have you brushed your teeth or have you cleaned your room or have you done your homework? Ask yourself, oh, have I programmed um, prevention, prediction, protection, practice for internet safety because this generation needs to be safe online. Mm. It's a part of parenting. Um, The other video in this section on practice is for older kids, uh, middle school and high school. It's called Two Kinds of Stupid. Mm. And the consequences that are not retractable Kids need to understand how what it's going to cost them. Look up two kinds of stupid and watch that video. I've I've had so many emails and conversations. Uh, everybody loves two kinds of stupid. Hmm, okay, great. so check that one out. Excellent. Okay, the fourth P. Pray. Um, um I I there's a scripture in Philippians four that ends with um and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When they are out there and you are not with them, and we know they don't have the skills to predict themselves and to protect themselves, we trust that the things that we've ingrained in them will keep them safe, and then we pray. And we um, trust that that kind of protection in our community becomes Um, an environment that keeps not just my kids safe, but your kids and the kids down the street. The, The part about this becoming a community effort to protect our kids, one of the growing, um, awarenesses and understandings that we have is that between 60 and 80% of kids who are commercially sexually exploited that are lured, um, from the internet are kids that nobody's watching, kids that are um, marginalized. They may live in a group home. The big case we had a couple of years here in Orange County, all three of the girls had been lured from group homes in foster systems in other states, and they were sent a bus ticket and came. How easily that happened. It would have been a little more difficult to happen in, in a home where the kids are being watched all the time and you mom wants to know who are you talking to on Facebook? Who are your Facebook friends? So how do we begin as a community to do predict, protect, practice, and pray? Um, prayer is a place to begin to, to work with those kids and to intercede for those kids who no one is watching. Our community can take more responsibility there. Yeah, and it really is a community effort, Sandy, and how we approach this. And we do need to have faith that things are going to, um, you know, go well for our children, and and to and that they're going to find their way in the world with the tools and the practice that they that we've given them as adults. And you know, we can't control everything, and if we tried, 
we would either drive ourselves crazy or drive our children crazy. And that is not healthy either. So it's that balance and that faith that exactly that things will be as, as they're going to be and things will work themselves out if we've given our children the right tools and with God's protecting over them and watching them that they will go out in the world and do amazing and wonderful things. And I think um, the, you know, the closing um, part of this presentation uh, recognizes that we do have limited resources. Um, and when we look at how to do this, we want to consider resources and expertise I think you've heard me talk about resources and expertise. Oh, absolutely. Many times. Parents have access to these kids. Community members have access to these kids. So we, we, we've got the time. We've got the space. We have the resources. The expertise is out there and available for you. Already, I've talked about NetSmarts. Um, other expertise that have um, tools for prevention strategies, enoughisenough.org. WebWise Kids. WebWise Kids has worked with um, uh, our Department of Justice on protecting kids. This podcast, there are opportunities to find the expertise you need. This is already available. So you have expertise, you have resources, and the community, um, I believe, an after school programs, Sunday school classes, um, teachers. Um, scouts and girls clubs. Um, we have the opportunity, the rooms and the facilities. We don't have to write new curriculum. We just need to pull in the curriculum that's already there, that's already been um, validated and, and affirmed for us. And then the third part of this, you have all the resources, you have the expertise, but you just have to show up. There is no substitute for presence. They tell you that in parenting. The whole, um, the whole thing about quantity versus quality. Well, just showing up, being there has tremendous value for your kids to predict, to protect, and to prevent their um, possible exploitation on the internet. I'm so glad that you brought this model to us today, Sandy. And I know that if we really frame our efforts around this model that we will think of things and take actions that we may not otherwise have taken, have conversations we may not otherwise have had. And it is that incremental progress that being uh, a little bit better every day as educators, as leaders, as parents, as uh, people who care about this issue strongly will help us to have that one uh, handle on the pathati that one yeah, little right. piece that we can do that will really help get that word out and that is uh, uh that's great and i'm glad i'm so glad that you brought this model to us and what i want to ask um, people who are listening to this if you're a parent if you're a teacher if you're a community leader will you send us your internet safety rules what are you doing have you written mm. rules if you haven't written them write them now and send us what you're doing. Send that to gcwj at vanguard.edu. I want to know how you are protecting your kids, whether they're your own children, they're the kids in your class, or the kids in your neighborhood, the kids in your community. Let's find out what everybody else is doing. And uh, I think it's kind of the idea of open source um, sharing For as sure. we build stronger networks that will protect our kids.
And folks can even go on to the comments section on our show notes and even put that up there too. And other folks would be able to see it. So if you go to the show notes for episode 52 here, you can uh, add in some of those and and join the dialogue and the conversation. And we should, uh, we should get out, have folks put stuff online more, Sandy. Oh, that's a great idea. That would be great for our uh, ongoing dialogue on the website. So uh, send us your rules. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of showing up and speaking of websites, the this podcast was picked up by the Stitcher Network about uh, oh nine ten months ago. Sandy, okay. we hopped on with Stitcher, and there are now twenty five people who are subscribed around the world on Stitcher who download the show every week. And so, uh, in addition to a whole bunch of folks we have on on iTunes as well. So, if you are one of those uh, twenty five folks on Stitcher, hey, thank you so much for uh, favoriting our show and uh, listening all the time. And we have two requests of you. One is if you like the show, there's a little thumbs up button on Stitcher. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. That'll help us to get more traction on the Stitcher network. More people will find the show. The more that this message gets out to people in the world, uh, as you can imagine, we are all a large community and it's not enough for us just to do things by ourselves. The more we have people uh, in our camp that will help get this message out, the better. So please do that. And also, if you are listening on Stitcher and you found this show helpful, please send, suggest it or send it to someone else you know that would benefit from it. And uh, and if you're listening on any other network, thank you as well. We are so uh, grateful to have you as an audience member. And speaking of which, you can reach us with comments, questions, or feedback, certainly on the show notes and or the email address that Sandy had just mentioned a bit ago. And that's GCWJ at vanguard.edu and this is the global center for women and justice at vanguard university of southern california and the other way you can reach us is by our uh, feedback line at 714-966-6360 and sandy you're going to be giving this talk again soon i believe right well um uh we're working on uh presenting this at a foster care program in june so i'm looking forward to that and our friend Rhonda shortino is going to be at a conference um, in two weeks and she's going to share this model as well lots of stuff coming up here in early 2013 have a great great week everyone take care